0: During the Apostle Paul's time, the family in the Roman world was fractured. Historians tell us that divorce had exploded, adultery was rampant, and childlessness prevailed. Homosexuality, pervasive and widespread. Sexual immorality of all kinds, pervasive and widespread. Sociologists tell us that the culture was atomistic. A T O M I S T I C. Atomistic. In other words, the individual, his happiness, his desires, his wants were paramount. The world revolved around the individual. The world revolved around the individual. Family was trampled. Meism. And the individual reigns supreme. And yet, in the midst of that melu, Paul doesn't set up a church that is appealing to millennials, or yuppies, or dinks, double income, no kids, or even Generation Z. Rather, Paul appeals to the Colossians to embrace Christianity, to embrace God's created order, to embrace God's created design for man, to marry, to have children, to build a home, to establish a family. That's what he appeals to. Not to their individualism, but to Christian thought. Radical, counter-revolutionary stuff to the culture in Colossa. And radical, counter-revolutionary stuff to the culture in America. And notice he does this after his great, all-encompassing declaration about Christ in verse 17, here in chapter 3. Remember what he said we addressed this last week? And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name. In other words, his authority is all-encompassing over our lives and over every area of life. As he said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And so here he gives this great declaration of the all-encompassing authority of Christ in the earth, over our lives and every area of life, and then he immediately moves to speaking about family. Family. Why? 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 Because family was a mess. And God's kingdom confronts the mess-ups and idols and evils in a culture or nation. His kingdom confronts the mess-ups and idols and evils in a culture or nation. And again, why family? Because family is the foundation of all society. The individual is not the foundation. The state is not the foundation. Even the church is not the foundation of all society. Rather, it is the family that is the foundation of all society. And it lay in ruin in the Roman world. Paul here appeals to family, government, and look how rudimentary Paul gets. I mean, this is marriage 101, correct? Wives. Submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Marriage 101. Rudimentary stuff. These things were once taken for granted in Western civilization and here in America. But as the nation and the culture moves away from Christ and Christianity... The things once taken for granted are less taken for granted. As the nation and the culture moves away from Christ and Christianity, the more we see how much good Christ and Christianity brought to the nation and to the culture. As you're watching this thing devolve, you're like, wow. I'm 61 years old. I've watched a lot of devolvement in six decades. You're like, you can see the goodness Christianity brought because it's now missing from what you once saw. The things that Christianity, Christian thought, Christian presupposition, brings to society and to lives is not to be taken for granted. They are not things that are just intuitive to man. Rather, Christianity brought presuppositions to man that fashioned his thoughts were pillared into society in Western civilization, and then man took them for granted. It's like everybody knows this, everybody believes this. We, we take this all for granted. But now we see how it's not just something you take for granted. It's something that has to be taught. People have to be instructed in. People have to demonstrate in their own lives, in front of their sons and daughters, in front of their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and we already see how these things are not taken for granted any longer in our society. These rudimentary things of a wife submitting to her husband, of a husband loving his wife. In our day and age now, people bristle at the idea of a wife being in submission to her husband. Even most Christians bristle at the idea of a wife being in submission to her husband. And most men wouldn't have a clue how to properly love their wives. Many men do not have a clue how to properly love their wives because of the culture we built. The God-haters over the last 150-plus years have torn it all down. All this stuff we took for granted, torn down. We actually have to talk about things as rudimentary as a man marries a woman. <laughs> a woman marries a man. A man is a man. <laughs> a woman is a woman. <laughs> I mean, it's getting crazier by the hour. The God Avers, over the last 150 plus years, have torn all these things to for granted down. And because of their actions, we are able to see these things. And if men do not repent and once again honor Christ in their thinking and in their lives and in their nations and in their governments, raw pagan evil will continue to unfold before us. We aren't even close to the depths of depravity. Read human history. Read what cultures and nations were like prior to the dawning of Christ and Christianity upon the nations of the world. We're long from the bottom still. We are headed for raw pagan evil that will continue to unfold before us what Huxley called a brave new world, and what Orwell presented as 1984, and animal farm. And much worse. It's a coalition of hedonism and totalitarianism, the worst two that can be combined together for an absolutely lawless, brutal culture. That's what we have. If you doubt me, go to the universities and talk to the young people and see what they think. See what they're being taught. And in the face of all the destruction and slaughter and idiocy of the day, in the face of all the fractured family, the destruction of family, the trampling of family, look what Paul appeals to. Again, he does not recreate church, so it is appealing to the Colossians. Rather, he appeals to them to embrace true Christianity, and he talks about a husband and a wife and children, a family. This is radical. This is counter-revolutionary to the mores and melu within our culture of our day, as it was during Paul's day there in Colossa. He gives them deep presuppositions regarding husbands, wives, and children Deep presuppositions upon which a great ethic can be built, upon which duties can be established, upon which society can thrive and find actual happiness. Let us examine what Paul speaks of here. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Notice the wife is in submission to the husband. The man is the head of the wife, the head of the marriage, the head of the home, the head of the family. Most men want to abandon their responsibility regarding those things, and most women in our culture today want to seize them from the husband. It's a bad combination, but Scripture plainly teaches man is the head. Man is the head. Ephesians 5.23 1 Corinthians eleven three 3, and on down the road. This declaration of Scripture bothers most in our society today, including most Christians, because Christianity has embraced egalitarianism for a 100-plus years now. The Church has embraced the world's thinking. Rather than confront their false ideas which perpetuate evil in society, The church has embraced the thinking of the world regarding egalitarianism, regarding birth control, on down the road. After a minister reads words like I just read to you, out of verse 18, Wives, submit to your own husbands. After a minister reads such words, I am supposed to, at this point, skim over them quickly, and of course make excuses for the word of God like your average dopey American minister does. Oh, and throw in at least one joke that demeans men, if not three or four jokes that demean men. But I will not. The culture is the fool. The churchmen are the whores. The feminist rot and weak, flaccid male mentality the culture in American Christianity has embraced is what brings ruin to women and men, and hence to a nation. Feminism is the idea that women are free when they serve their employers, but slaves when they serve their husband and children. Sit in a piggly-wiggly parking lot around 5 p.m., and you can witness their freedom as they run across the parking lot in their high heels to hurriedly grab the rotisserie chicken Coming out, they frantically shove little Johnny, who they just, prior to Piggly Wiggly Stop, picked up from the daycare the government indoctrination center, shove him into his car seat and scurry home. There's freedom, according to this world's thinking. The feminists have literally likened the home to a death camp. That's the term they have used. We have made men and women competitors in the unique role the Lord has given to each regarding marriage and family. No longer do they complement each other, nor do they have distinct roles, functions. There's some overlap, obviously, but we've made them competitors. Both have their careers. Both have their money. Both have their own separate lives. They've really built nothing together. Like ships passing in the night, they barely know each other. It's a destruction. It's meant to weaken the family, to destroy it. And we're reaping the whirlwind of it all now, and the whole of America collapsing. Now they are all getting their little experimental mandated COVID shots so they can keep their precious little job. They spent their whole lives following the rules, and they are incapable of thinking outside the box, They gladly capitulate and conform to the tyrants and get their evil. A woman who acts like a man is repugnant to a good man. A woman who acts like a man is repugnant to good men. Women who look down at my wife for bearing 11 children or for deferring to me and making a retail store decision. I notice they have no ring on their finger. Old and bitter or young and stupid, they despise what Claire and I represent. Others have the man at home with an apron on, bottle feeding the children. Understand women have the breasts for a reason. Understand men don't have the breasts for a reason. Even in God's creation of us as male and female, we understand there's different roles given to each of us. But this whole culture wants us to believe that's all garbage, and we're all exactly the same, egalitarianism. And it's a rot. And I've watched it all my life, the other destruction it brings upon family, upon husbands, upon wives, upon children. Because we're so much smarter than God. It's a grief that breaks the heart when you understand his ways and thoughts and you see what they've pillared in this culture in all their hatred for Christ and for God's word. Scripture is clear. The woman is the homemaker. Horror of horrors. That's true. Titus chapter 2. If you turn there, you look at verses 3 through 5. The word of God says... The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers. Homemakers. 1 Timothy chapter 5, turn there. Verse 14, Paul instructing the young children, Widows, 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 14. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house. Amen? Proverbs 31, Genesis, chapter 2. God creates man, he creates woman to be his helper. This is all things that this culture bristles against. That views as bad, awful, death, tyranny, controlling. It's freedom. It's the attainment of actual happiness if you embrace God's design for men, for women, for husbands, for wives, for family. All this, what God has given us, is men and women, manhood, womanhood, marriage, family. It is all counter-revolutionary to the evil men and women who promote feminist rot, male subordination, and gender confusion in this nation. To those people, this is all counter-revolutionary. And you are counter I'm looking at an entire room of counter-revolutionists, radicals. By simple fact of living in God's way, You are the most radical element in America today. Academia and the media and the government sell feminist rot to unwitting dopes who think they are smarter than God and who have been educated beyond their intelligence. The submission a wife has towards her husband, and notice it is her husband she should be in submission to because of the unique marital relationship not in submission to every man on the planet. You see what it says there, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands. The submission the woman has towards her husband does not mean the man plays the despot. I have seen men behave this way, and it is disgusting. But such men are far and few between. During Paul's day, such behavior was more prevalent. Which is why Paul says in verse 19 to men, Husbands, love your wives. Which we will get to in a minute. Back then, society was patriarchal. We now live in a matriarchal society. If you doubt this, understand a woman can murder her son or daughter, and the man has no legal say to stop it. Back in Paul's time, in a patriarchal society, the man could decide the child lives or dies. And the woman had no say about it. We now live in a matriarchal society. The woman decides if the son or daughter lives or dies, the man doesn't have one legal right to say anything about it. And that, too, is part of how they've pillared things to destroy the family and to demean men in this culture. If you doubt what I'm saying, that we live in a matriarchal society, just look at our laws regarding family, court, and probate matters. Those are just two good starting points. As you begin to actually look at what our society is like, rather than just blindly and blithely listening to all the nonsense they pump into your head through academia, media, and government, you realize we actually live in a matriarchal hell. And in this matriarchal hill, it's odd, because the women are still viewed as victims. We're told that incessantly. The woman's a victim. And you can never beat up on men enough. The ones who rule in this society, namely women, are incessantly promoted in academia, media, and government as the victims. It's an absurdity. And anyone with a pea brain should be able to figure it out. You got something really good going on up there? Yeah, figure it out. Yes, Virginia, we live in a matriarchal hell. Forget about Santa Claus. Here's reality. You live in a matriarchal hell. You want to start a great preaching sermon on the university? Stand on a bench and say, you all live in a matriarchal hell. Oh, you'll gather a crowd real quick. And there's plenty to say to the men and the women who gather. So the women are incessantly painted as the victims, while men are incessantly painted as the great oppressors, who therefore can never be demeaned and effeminized enough. The society does it through academia, media, both news and entertainment media, and through government policy and law, and it's all rooted in their hatred for Christ and God's law and word. It is as if they go to the Bible on any given matter, see what it says, and do exactly the opposite. It is clearly what they have done here regarding manhood and womanhood and their unique roles and functions. Listen, egalitarianism, which has been embraced by society and the church for over 100 years now, is what has brought us to homosexuality, transgenderism, and 56 genders. And yet, the church openly embraces egalitarianism, and has for over a hundred years. Openly embraces it, both in their teachings and in how they practically live their lives. And it's disgusting to watch. And oh, now we have homosexual transgender. Yeah, you have it because you embrace that. It's the actual consequence of spitting upon the unique role and function of men and women, husbands and wives, that has brought us to this point of decadence in our country. Everybody wants me to run and go and back some woman running for office. I don't do it. I won't do it. It's not curing anything. It's perpetuating the evil that's brought us to the point that we're at. But again... Academia, the media, the government have sold feminist rot to unwitting dopes who think they are smarter than God, who've been educated beyond their intelligence, people who have never thought past the platitudes they have had pressed upon them and actually ponder the consequence of such thinking that they've been manipulated into embracing, which their own rebellion against God loves to hear and justifies all the rebellion against God. Now here's the key to this submission by the wife to her husband. This is the key to the submission by the wife to her husband. And it is this. The submission the wife has towards her husband is voluntary. The form of the verb here, the verb submit, is in the middle voice that shows it's voluntary. Plus, we all know it's voluntary even without knowing that. We know it's voluntary. Just the nature of the relationship means it's voluntary. In Ephesians 5, Paul makes the comparison between the husband being the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And we understand that the submission we give to Christ is a voluntary submission rooted in his love for us. Why did we submit to his rule, men? overwhelmingly because we knew he loved us. Amen? And so it is with your wife. She submits to you because of your love for her. She voluntarily gives her submission because of her husband's love for her. As it says in Ephesians 5, 24 and 25, quote, Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, unquote. Amen? Love. Love. That's why she submits to you. That's why she respects you. Because she knows you love her. And she sees you taking on your duty and responsibility as a man. And that means something to a good woman. A good woman loves seeing a man take on responsibility and duty. We have a culture that's created nothing but a bunch of schoolboys who know nothing of duty and responsibility. Any woman interested in a man like that tells you plenty about that woman. A godly wife understands the husband is the head. She respects her husband, as it says in Ephesians 5.33. And gladly submits to his rule and helps him in all the Lord has given him to do. It's not a competitive relationship like they've created in this culture, between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. They are working together to build something good and holy and long-lasting, namely a family. They have covenanted together in the sight of God to build something good and holy and lasting, Namely, a family. This culture has reduced it all down to a war of the roses. You husbands and wives. It's a ridiculousness. It's an absurdity. Both roles and functions are important and are needed to the relationship. You have utter chaos and destruction when either one is removed or one tries to take over the role of the other. The godly wife understands the husband as the head, and she respects her husband, as it says in Ephesians 5.33, gladly submits to his rule, helps him in all the Lord has given him to do, because they're doing it together. As Paul says here in our passage in verse 18, this submission as is fitting in the Lord. Again, that's abhorrent to this rebellious culture. It's actually revolutionary for this culture. They see it as a counter-revolution to their revolution, their revolution being statism, hedonism, and the destruction of the home and family, freeing women from the death camp of the home and family. We are the counter-revolution, those of us who remain faithful to Christ. That's why it's so important that in every area regarding family government, we do right by him. We have a huge impact on the culture as we do right. They're all watching you. For some of them, they hate you no matter what. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. doesn't matter what you say, what you do. They hate you. They turn it this way or that way. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there watching you. They want you to make it. They want to believe that it is possible. Their life may be in ruin their marriage may have ended in destruction, but they want you to make it. Because it gives them hope. They see the stability it brings to society. Good family brings to society. Great stability. They want to see that. You're having trouble, you better get close to your spouse. Cry out to God, amen? Do right by him. Build together, read together together talk together, think together. Build this great thing called family. This culture wants to destroy all family and finish you off. You must dig in, draw close, be true to one another. So see, men, how important your love is for your wife. And that you express and demonstrate your love for her. Did you hear that? You must express and demonstrate your love for your wife. And those are things that we learn. We're pretty dumb. I know I was dumb as a box of rocks. Didn't know diddly dealing with my being married, having a wife, how to treat her properly. Thought I did. I've learned so much over 40 years. So much. It's something men have to have built within them, things that have to be pillared in our lives, how to properly express and demonstrate our love to our wives. It is so needed, it is so important, it is so massive to the marital relationship. And so the apostle says in verse 19, Husbands, love, your wives. That's how huge it is. That's how important it is. It is the key to the submission of your wife in regards to the marital relationship of staying together, you with your role, her with her role, building something great and holy together. The word love here, agapao, does not denote affection or romantic attachment. Sorry to tell you that, ladies. Agapau does not denote affection or romantic attachment. It rather denotes caring love, a deliberate attitude of mind that concerns itself with the well-being of the one loved. It entails self-devotion, not self-satisfaction. That is its dominant theme. And this is how men are to love their wives. Not that affection and romance are not appreciated also, men. This is how men are to love their wives. And then Paul adds, quote, and do not be bitter toward them, unquote. See that there in verse 19? Regarding this matter of men not being bitter toward their wives, let me simply say there is little I find more disgusting in life than a man that is bitter toward his wife within the marital relationship. I have met many a woman bitter toward her husband, and that's bad enough, but as a man, seeing a man bitter toward his wife, that disgusts me. Bitterness is hard to overcome. For the woman, when she becomes bitter towards her husband, she loses respect for him. Very hard to regain. I used to tell men... It's yours to throw on the ground. 90% of the time, the respect your wife has for you is yours to ruin. I no longer say that because we live in such an evil culture now that teaches women lies and demeans men so badly. I say it's only 60% of the time yours to throw on the ground and lose the respect of your wife. Bitter is hard, bitterness is hard to overcome. For the man, when he becomes bitter, he finds himself incapable of loving her. He'll sit there and look right at you and say, I have no love for her. You know what that does to your heart as a minister when you sit there and look at a man, and a man looks at you and says that to you? Devastating. Grievous. So then you begin to build with him and try to teach him how to love her, how to restore how to remove the bitterness. I find it disgusting in a man when he becomes bitter towards his wife because he is to set the tone in the marriage regarding such presuppositional things. That's why I find it so disgusting. Look at yourself, look at what you need to do to prepare the situation. Don't keep looking at her. That doesn't mean there isn't times where the woman's just a quack rock, okay? We all know that. I tell people these things work 85% of the time. Sometimes you just married a dope. Sometimes men, yeah, you married one of the 15%. Women, you marry one of the 15%. Sorry. Sorry. But there's more to this matter of being bitter. Scholars point out that the Greek word there denotes harshness. It connotes and suggests having a surly, irritable attitude towards your wife. And when I read those words, this guy was cut to the heart. <laughs> I have a long history of being surly and irritable. <laughs> it's like I've become far less surly and irritable as the years have gone on. It's easy to do. I've done it. Check yourself, men. I know it's a common trait to men. It's common to us. It's part of our... It's just part of what good men do that isn't good in their life and they need to get it rid of. That's what it is. We must check ourselves, hold our wives dear. Listen to me now. This is hugely important. Don't let those who aggravate you at the workplace get a pass while you dump your aggravation, your surliness and irritableness on your wife. And I'm going to repeat that to you because that's huge. Do not let those who aggravate you at the workplace get a pass while you dump your aggravation on your wife, your surliness and irritableness on her. Don't do it. Like, if I could do jumping jacks right now for you to remember that, I would. Like, you you do jumping jacks about the key of the wife's submission being your love for her, I would. I know I must have had people tell me this stuff when I was young. I never heard it. Didn't sink in. I want you to remember, especially you younger men, learn these things, save yourselves years. Of problems. So should I jump up and down? Should I bark like a dog? (laughs) What should I do? You know, to make you remember it's indelibly stained within your mind (laughs) the things I just said. Yeah. I'm German. I can't jump up and down. I can't bark like a dog. (laughs) I can't do it. I'm just too reserved. Well, that's what I would do, right? <laughs> to make you remember how important what I just said is. So you could never forget. Practically, how does this work? The wife submitting to the husband. People always want a list. You're totally off course and haven't gotten the main point of my sermon if you want a list. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> There's the spirit of a thing, amen? The spirit of a thing. And what I've noticed with people who need lists, exact precise lists, they don't have any appreciation or regard for the spirit of a thing. They're just looking for a way to make it better for themselves. People want a list. Here's what I say couples work that out between themselves. How does this all practically work? The wife's mission. Couples work that out between themselves. How it works will vary from couple to couple, but they work that out between themselves. But understand this, men and women. A man is to take on responsibility and duty and lead his home. A man is to take on responsibility and duty and lead his home. There's a lot of men in this culture, they love the present male they can still be like a little baby and they can treat their wife like mom, you know, take care of me. And there's plenty of women in this culture looking for those types of men. They're in the driver's seat. They're in the driver's seat of the car. They're in the driver's seat of the life of the couple. Clara's only ever driven me once, and that's when I had hernia surgery, and it was a nightmare. You drive with my wife, you're just glad to get out of the car alive. You know, my kids have told me, they have friends. I'll never drive in the car with your mom ever again. <laughs> Woman's never had an accident. All the years I've known her, people have been going off the road into ditches and things like that, but she's never had an accident. The car's never been damaged. So a man is to take on responsibility and duty. A man is to lead his home. He is not to negate what God has given him to do. Amen. In closing, let me say, Paul here sets forth the duties and obligations of the husband and the wife, not their rights. These duties, submission and love, are reciprocal and are meant to be so within their marital relationship. So may we do right by Christ regarding his ways and what we have covenanted to as husband and wife. And we do right by him. Next time we'll continue with this passage by talking about children. May Christ be praised. Let's stand up and we'll close in prayer.